0: Good morning, church. All right, we are in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Well, good morning, Redemption North Mountain. Um, before I say anything, that interview was amazing. Just thank you for that. I was laughing, on and I were laughing so hard over there. Stefan, you are a funny guy. The top hat thing, that was just, that was great. Um, if we've never met before, my name is Xavier. I'm one of the pastors here. I get to preach this passage for us today. And before I go in, I just want to say uh, two things. One, uh, I just want to make a quick announcement of something that's coming up. Uh, We have our membership class coming up, uh, not this Monday, but the next Monday, and then the Monday after that. And if you've been here, part of our church, for a little bit now, and you've had this desire to make a commitment to this church, to say, this is my church, I'm committed to the vision here, and the doctrine, and the mission of this church, we just invite you, would you come join us? at the membership class where we get the chance to kind of just share our heart about this church and then just to make this mutual commitment to each other in love. So I would love if you guys were able to come to that. It's a great time, and I love that class a ton. Uh, The other thing is this, is Josh mentioned this, but we're all kind of going into this fall season again. Parents, you have kids starting school. Some of you have first-time kindergartners. Some of you have new things coming up at work, projects, our vacations are done. And then even with church, everything's kind of amping back up. And what I want to do is I just want to pray over us right now and just ask God, would he just bless this season? And not only that, but we constantly say this, all of life is all for Jesus. And I would just love if God were to put his hand over this fall and just to create rhythms in our life where we can say that honestly, that all of our life is all for Jesus. So let's just pray before we go into the word. Together. So God, I just uh, I pray for our church. God, I, I think about all of us here in just different seasons of life in general, as we go into this fall season, as new things are starting, as old things are picking back up, God, in the middle of the busyness and just the constant going, maybe for some of us, would you just show up in the middle of each aspect of our life? Would you just show us that you're present in those things? Would you give us just an intentionality to be able to be aware of you and to live each moment for your glory? God, we love you so much. Would you bless this time as we go to your word and we see what you would to teach us this morning? Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. So in 2018, my wife and I, we brought a group of college students and young adults to Spain for a mission trip. We were there for two weeks and we were able to work with the missionaries that uh, were with our church While we were there, it was all like smooth, like the smoothest mission trip I've ever been a part of until the flight back. So we are like sprinting through the airport. I still remember this. We are barely going to make our international flight. And there's like security check after security check after. And we're running now to the last security check before we get onto the plane. And we're standing there all in different lines. I remember I'm in my line. And then there's a guy, Michael, that's in a line about two spots away from me. I'm sitting there, and I show my passport to the security guy. And just to be clear about this story, my name is Xavier Salazar. So that's a part of the story. Xavier Salazar. I show him my passport. He's looking at it for, like, way too long. And then he looks at me and says, one sec. And he walks over to the security guy that's helping Michael. And Michael tells me, this is all they say, it's Senor Salazar. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what just happened? They both come back to me. They're like, you need to go over there go where? To that room. I'm like, okay. I, I walk over. I'm seeing the room so nervous. Like, did I do something wrong? What's going on here? And then a couple minutes goes by. They come in. They say, we're so sorry. We got the wrong guy. And then, <laughs> like, you can go on the plane, and I leave. And all I could think of was, there's some dude with my name out there in Europe doing something that they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> so I was, I was just thinking, man, it's the same name, different guy. Same name, different guy. As John's writing to the church, he keeps on doing this thing back and forth. He gives encouragement and then he gives warning. Last week, Josh preached and it's this whole sermon, the passage all of encouraging the believers, have confidence in God. And now he's going back to warning, loving the people and warning them. Last week, it's all about having the church grow in confidence. And this week is all about having the church grow in their clarity and clarity about jesus john knows that the name jesus is being thrown around but there are false teachers teaching false things about him they're saying the same name but it's a different guy and john knows whatever they believe about jesus is going to alter everything else he wants them to have their eyes set on the jesus that he knew and walked with and touched and lived with, and died, and resurrected. He wants them to know the real Jesus. The big idea for today is this. I'm going to keep on coming back to this over the message, but this is the big idea. Our faith is centered on this question. What do we believe about Jesus Christ? What do we believe about Jesus Christ? And however we answer that has implications on everything else in our life. Let's go through the passage and see how it is that John actually plays this out. Let's start in verse 1 together. This is what it says. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. This whole like section, John's stature, is all about protection. I think about my wife and I, we have a 14-month-old right now, and we're just at that stage where he's running around everywhere. And the word I use way too often is no, or don't touch that. Or, and part of it is, for our own sake, on the other day is looking everywhere for her car keys and finds them in the trash. Because he took them and thinks it's a, yeah, this is where they go. Puts them in the trash. But the other side is, and most of the time, it's for his protection. We're saying, no, don't do that. No, don't touch that. The other day, he walks over to the oven. It's closed in the scenario, just so you know. It's closed, but it's still kind of hot on the outside. And the light is flashing, so he wants to touch it. And I look at him, and I say, don't touch that. Except he doesn't understand English, so I say, no tocas. <laughs> he looks me back in the eyes, and he knows what I'm saying. We're looking at each other, and he goes. And it's just I have to grab him, and this is just a constant story. I'm always going around telling him not to do things to protect him because I can see things that he doesn't. I know things that he doesn't know. I can see the danger ahead of him. So I'm there just to protect him from those things. And John is coming in the same perspective. He can see things that these believers can't see yet. He's already seen it happen to other believers. They go away from the faith because they believe in a different Jesus. So he comes and he goes, I need to give you guys a warning to protect you from something that you might not even be able to see yet. So what is it that he says? He says, do not believe every spirit and test the spirits. So when John says the spirit here, he's referring to two different spirits. It's shown in verse 6. Verse 6 at the very end says there's the spirit of truth and there's the spirit of error. And just to be clear about what he's referencing, he's referencing how these spirits are displayed through teachings, through ideas, and words. Of either the apostles, the people speaking the truth, or the false prophets, someone speaking in error. So, in this passage, you can kind of use those words: voice or teaching. So, think of it this way: Do not believe every voice or teaching, but test these teachings to see if it is from God. And verse six tells us the voices of truth; they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. But the voices of error are empowered by the spirit of the Antichrist. He says this warning because he sees that the people are actually either have the potential to or have been deceived. And specifically around this one thing, around the identity of Jesus. So he's warning them about these false spirits because he knows, we going to keep on coming back to this, our faith is centered on this question what do we believe about Jesus? So this is what he says in verse 2 and verse 3. Let's continue going through the passage. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. One thing that was kind of tough for me when preparing for this was when I was reading this passage at first, I kept on thinking that John's warning was about general teachings. Like I kept on being with Josh and I was thinking about all the false teachings that the world have. I think about like YouTubers and all these, like we just have teachers everywhere. I was thinking about all the false teachings, but it seems like John's actually being really specific. John could say, test the spirits and the voices and teachings about everything in our life, but he zooms into this one thing. What do these voices say and believe about Jesus? Jesus. John is concerned mostly with this one truth because Jesus is the centerpiece of all that we believe. This is one of the nerdier examples I will ever use. But here's a picture of a Rubik's Cube. So if you've, I don't know if any of you have ever solved a Rubik's Cube before, but the whole point and goal is you want to get all the sides matching in one color. So you want an orange side and a blue side and a white side, and you want all of them to actually be together so it's solved. If you've never solved one before, the way that you would probably approach it, like this is the normal way to approach it, is you go, I'm going to solve side by side. I need to get one side done, then I'm going to solve another side. Then I'm gonna... But if you've ever tried that, you just end up in frustration. You're like, why can't I get it together? So this is where the nerdiness comes in. So this is usually what happens. You'll try to do this. Here's the next slide. You'll try to get one side, but that's the wrong approach. It's the wrong place to start. The right place to start is this is if you're going to solve a Rubik's Cube, you do need to get one side, but watch the next slide. You need to get one side, but you need to make a layer. So you're making this bottom layer where all of the colors are organized. And after that, you have to approach layer by layer. You'll get the middle layer of all the yellow and red, and then you'll get the top layer. This is really nerdy that I'm doing this right now. But, <laughs> but the whole point is you don't start side by side. You have to make a foundation first and then work from there. I promise this will actually align with the sermon. (laughs) Whenever I talk to people that are not Christian or even some Christians, it feels like we start off in the wrong place. Like we're jumping to all these different things and it's just not the right place to start. What does the end of the world look like? What happens when we die? What's our sexual ethic? Why do good things happen to bad people or bad things happen to good people? What's our view on marijuana? What do certain people say? These like little words mean in the Bible, all these different things are good things to answer, but they're just the wrong place to start. What we need to do is we need to start in the place and build a good foundation and everything else will flow from that. We have to remember that the foundation of our faith where we stand on solid rock, where we are secure is in a person, and that's Jesus. And John knows if we have our foundation wrong, everything will flow in the wrong direction from that. But if we establish our our foundation on the true Jesus, then everything else in our life will actually flow correctly from that view. We have to know this is the goal. We've mentioned this a few times, but the reason that John had to do this is because there were people called the Gnostics that claimed Jesus, but they believed they had a secret knowledge. And part of that secret knowledge was that the body was evil and that Jesus did not actually come in the body. Same name, different person. And this is why John says so this is like so specific every spirit that confesses that Jesus is the Christ, that came in the flesh, is from God. This is a direct opposition of what the Gnostics believed. And then he says, anyone who does not confess the true Jesus is not from God, saying that these Gnostic people that are not confessing the true Jesus that came in the flesh are not from God. And the reason he said this is when you, he knows this, when you set yourself on the foundation that the Gnostics believed, it leaves you with a Jesus that can't actually save you. It's a Jesus that can't actually live for you. He can't actually die for you. He can't actually raise from the grave for you. He can't actually save you. It leads you to a place that you have a different hope, a different gospel, a different direction, a different mission. And this is why, I'm going to keep on coming to this, our faith is centered on this question. What do we believe about Jesus? The world keeps on doing the same thing that the Gnostics did before. They keep on saying these different views of Jesus that aren't actually accurate with what the biblical view of Jesus is. And however specifics are played out, I think most false ideas about Jesus fall into one of these categories. Uh, The first one is this. This is Jesus plus fill in the blank. This is the deception that comes to say, we don't only need Jesus, but we also need the right political alignment We need our good works. We need these extra covenants. We need a specific knowledge or a theological sect. In this category, Jesus did not actually fulfill his promise. He merely just sets us up so we can do the work to earn our own salvation. And to be honest, I think this could seep easily into our minds because it's hard to believe that by faith alone, we are saved. Like, I think about when I was a high school pastor. I used to sometimes spend time with the younger kids, fifth and sixth graders. I'm sitting there with a group of fifth and sixth graders. And I ask them, "Who goes to heaven?" And they're like, "Well, good people." I'm like, "Well, how do you know if someone's good? Well, they've done good things." I'm like, "Who doesn't go to heaven?" They're like, uh, like really bad people." I'm like, "Like who's really bad?" I'm like, "Um, I don't know, but like the really bad people." I'm like. Okay, and <laughs> they all just, they all agree on the same thing. Good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. I just thought to myself, man, if, if they continue believing that their whole life, they're either going to think they need to prove themselves to God and be good enough, or they're just going to continuously lie to themselves and say, I'm a pretty good person. I'm going to heaven. It sets us up in the wrong place. And what it does is it actually puts our hope, not on Jesus, but on ourselves. This is Jesus plus fill in the blank. The other side is this, fill in the blank plus Jesus. This is the opposite side. This is the deception that we can live our own lives and we can just add Jesus to our collection of things. If the biggest lie of John's time was Jesus did not come in the flesh, the biggest deception of our time is Jesus is just who you want him to be. Like Jesus is great. I admire him. I love his message. The messages at church are great. But I also love my life. So I'm just gonna add Jesus to my collection of things and I'm gonna continue living the same. Jesus is just who I want him to be. In this version, Jesus and his religion basically just helps you get your life better. He exists to benefit you and to give you blessings. If you're a good person, then your blessings will be amplified. And Jesus is riding this unique version of success through your life. Like when we do this, it's usually a version of self-improvement or just self-enhancement. We just add Jesus, and we say, if if we add him, then our life will probably get better. But this idea doesn't align with Scripture at all. Like every person that interacted with Jesus, they left changed, or they decided just to run away from him. The rich young ruler comes. He's like, hey, I've I've done this all, but I want you too. And he's like, great, come join us. Sell all your stuff. He's like, ah, actually, never mind, and leaves. All the disciples have to lay down whatever they're living and follow him. Every person that's healed, every person that lays down their sin, all these people end up changed when they follow Jesus because they step down from the throne of their own life and they give Jesus the right position as king over their lives. The last version is this, is just getting rid of Jesus completely. Like we acknowledge that he was maybe a good teacher. He existed in the past but just kind of general spirituality is our way of going, or just know God at all. And then Jesus is no longer the center of our lives, but we are just the center of our own lives. There's all these different versions, and whether it's the one from the past, from John's time, or it's one of these, they all do the same thing. They minimize Jesus, and they elevate man. Like, think about John's lie at their time. Jesus didn't come in the flesh. They minimize Jesus by making Jesus the one that can't save you, and they elevate man by saying the only way you can be saved is through this secret knowledge that you can get from us. Minimize Jesus, elevate man. These all do the same thing. The Jesus plus makes Jesus not our hope and makes us our own hope. The whatever our life is plus Jesus makes Jesus not our king but makes us our own king. Getting rid of Jesus completely makes us just the center of our own lives. But John knows the wrong view of Jesus will always lead us to a wrong gospel and a wrong hope. I just want to bring some clarity for some of us just for a moment. I'm not saying this is always the case. and I don't want anyone to feel like guilt after I say this, but this is what I think happens for most of us. For some of us, when we have things going great in our lives, it is really easy to follow God. But it is in our suffering and our pain and our frustration when our wrong views of Jesus are exposed. Like when suffering comes up, God is kind enough to start displaying to us where maybe we're believing a wrong gospel when we think that Jesus did not hold up his end or he's not keeping his promises or he's not doing his job, these are the moments where God actually kindly shows us who Jesus really is and maybe where some of our false foundations are. And for, what, for us, what we need to do is be honest when we are looking to Jesus and expecting him to keep promises that he never made or when we're looking to Jesus to be someone that he is not or when we have been not looking at Jesus at all. For all of us, what we need to do, aligned with John, is to set our eyes on the true Jesus. He keeps on coming back to this throughout the whole book. If you've been here through 1 John, this is the same thing over and over and over. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the true Jesus that I saw and knew personally. Because this Jesus is the one that changes lives and rules the universe and saves you. And this true Jesus is enough. So for him to actually help us focus on this, what he says is this. If we were to keep our eyes on the true Jesus, we must be able to test the spirits. Test the spirits. Let's read the rest of the passage and end with this last section. Verses 4 through 6 says this. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Those are the false teachers. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So to give a picture of testing the spirits, Um, I I want to show you something. I think about some people in this church, they would qualify themselves as something they call a sneakerhead. Sneakerhead is someone that loves sneakers. I guess is the easy way of saying it. But I, I, I want to show you a few shoes that are out there in the world. These are not ones that you would commonly see people wearing, but let me just tell you a little bit about the culture. So they'll come up with these shoes, they'll release a limited amount of them, and then people will buy them up, and they'll resell them for a lot of money because you can only buy them through them. So um, these are not common shoes I'm going to show you. But here, I'll show you the first one. The first one is this. They call these the Jesus shoes. I'll tell you why. They, I guess the, there's like water in the soul from the Jordan. There's a, so that verse, by the way, is like, Jesus walked on water. So it's like, there's a lot going on here. Oh just in your head right now, just think to yourself how much you think these are. Price is right rules. Don't go above the price. So think to yourself, are you ready? These are $2,000, okay? $2,000, just because you can't find them anywhere. And the people that have them are just waiting for someone to buy them. Okay, second one of these, these are called the Red Octobers. They're not cute, so. (laughs) But they're really rare because Kanye West made them before he was with Adidas. He released them. You can't find them anywhere anymore. Think to yourself how much these are. $17,000 in my size. That's a real price in my size. All right, last ones are these. These are the Marty McFly's Back to the Future self-tying shoes. Really rare. Adam Cook's wearing them right now. I'm just kidding. Not true, not true. Okay, really rare. Just think to yourself how much you think these are. The price has been going up recently, so just $125,000 is what you could get these for. In my size. So (laughs) that's crazy. What people do is this. They will make fake versions of these and they'll get you to believe that they're real. They want you to buy them. Then when you get them, they get their money and you are left with not the real thing, but a fake version of them. They do this with everything. With shoes. They do this with like purses. They do this with jewelry. They make these fake versions of things so that they can try to get you to get something that you think is rare But you're just getting a fake version so they have all these youtube videos and things of how to spot fake shoes and all of that but no matter what it is the rule is the same across the board whenever you're spotting a fake you don't study the fakes you study the truth if you want to know a fake you study the real thing really well and the same thing is applied here We need to test claims and ideas about Jesus that creep into the church and into our lives. And the only way we could do that is by knowing the truth really well. And John gives us some encouragement of how we can do this. He gives us three things. We'll end with this. He gives us an encouragement from the Spirit and then the story and the scripture. The first verse just gives all of us an encouragement. Little children, you are from God. You've overcome them, these false teachers. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We need to know that we have a source that actually reveals truth to us, and that is the Holy Spirit, God living in us. That we actually have the Holy Spirit that reveals truth so that we can understand who Jesus is, and we can have confidence, not in ourselves, But in the God that's overcome the world, he lives in us. So we can have confidence that when we go to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit will reveal truth about him to us. The second thing is this, is the story. We must know the story really well. This is the reason why. Verse 5 says, They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. The world is speaking a different story than we are. It's their own version of the gospel, attempting to have the kingdom without a king. At the center of that story in some way is man and typically is me. This story goes and it's really believable and it's really appealing because it speaks to our flesh. It speaks to our desires and it speaks to our desires to be our own god. And the only way for us to fight that story is to depend on the Spirit and to run and fall in love with the true story of the gospel, the true story of Jesus, the true story of how he's revealed himself to the world and saved us from our own sin. And the way that we go when we find the story, we depend on the Spirit, we go to the story, and we find the story through his written word, through the Scriptures. This is what John says. He says, you be encouraged. Then he says, they are telling this story. And then he stops and he says, we, referring to him and the apostles. And he says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to the apostles. Whoever is not from God doesn't listen to them. The encouragement is for us to go to the words of the apostles and others who were empowered by the spirit that wrote down these words. Like, just to be clear, whenever we're teaching at this church, it's not me, Josh, and Sandy getting in a room saying, like, God, give us a new revelation. It's us sitting down saying, Are we teaching this really well? Like, even this week, I was like, Josh, can you go by my sermon really quick? Can you make sure it's aligned with what John is saying? Everything that we're trying to teach is from this word because this is what will lead us towards truth. The Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. The gospels are pointing to Jesus. The church stories are pointing to Jesus. Revelation, all this is going towards the true Jesus where we can find our hope and our life and our salvation and our satisfaction and our fulfillment. I keep on going back to this. Our faith is centered on this question. What do we believe about Jesus? We believe what the scriptures have revealed, what the spirit has displayed, and what the gospel story that has been written. I keep on going to that question about how important it is what we believe about Jesus. And I haven't taken the time just to say this is who Jesus is. So I just want to close out this time just by reading a passage of scripture over all of us. So scripture from Colossians 1:15 through 23. And I'm going to read it from a different version than the ESV. Let me just read this over you. Would you just allow these words just to be spoken over you? Would you receive these words over you today? We look at this son Jesus and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in Jesus and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence. And he holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning, and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, Jesus is there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured out from the cross. You and me are a case study of what he has done. At one time, we all had our backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance we got, but now by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for us, Christ brought us over to God's side and put our lives together, whole and holy in his presence. We do not walk away from a gift like that. We stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, carefully not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets this same message. Our salvation is found in him. Our church looks to him as our authority. All things are held together in him. All things are restored and redeemed only through him. We must build our faith on that person and work of Jesus. And through him establish the rest of our life so that we can honestly say all of our life is all for Jesus. Let me just pray for all of us as we close this time. God, we thank you so much for who you are. For any of us that may be stuck in a wrong view of who you are, Jesus, would you lovingly reveal that? Would you show us where some of our false hopes are or false foundations, and would you reveal the goodness of who you really are constantly and continuously in our life? Help us establish ourselves on the truth of your gospel, on the truth of your identity, on the truth of your work, and help us continuously find faith in you. God, I just pray for all of us today that we would continuously wrestle with those things and as voices come towards us that might be speaking false ideas about who you are, that you would give us clarity of mind from your spirit, from your story, and from your scripture to be able to point out those things and hold on to our faith in you. God, we love you so much. We're thankful for all that you've done for us and all that you are doing continuously in our lives. We love you. Amen.